welcome to the new nurse podcast this is where we're going to be talking with new and seasoned nurses about the transitions their challenges and the successes of being a registered nurse i'm your host amanda addis i'm a professor at minamagra nazarene university and i've been a nurse for the last 14 years today we have registered nurse christy hay on the podcast we're going to talk a little bit about critical thinking we're going to talk a lot about her experience in ob And we're going to talk a little bit more into the expectations that seasoned nurses have for new nurses. A little spoiler alert here, there really aren't any. So let's go ahead and dive in and start our conversation with Christy. Welcome Christy here to our episode today. Christy, thanks so much for joining me and You're giving, welcome. Yeah, giving these nurses some insight into what's it like to be a nurse and kind of how to grow that critical thinking. Yeah. I think first, though, we want to hear a little bit of your background of how you started in nursing, how you even maybe decided to become a nurse. Okay. Well, I started as a nurse. I didn't go back to nursing school until I was 26. Seven, I believe, 28. So I have a communication degree from Pittsburgh State University, uh, public relations, journalism, minor in business. And I worked for an education service center and it was becoming more and more apparent that education funding was kind of on the decline. And what I was doing was, was kind of a bonus thing. Not all schools had the funding for it. So I fast forward, I had my first child and I fell in love with my OB nurses. They were amazing, they took amazing care of me, and I decided right then that I think this is what I wanna do. This, I could totally see myself doing this. So I had a youngster at home. I was scared to death to take the science courses, but I did, and it was fine. I don't know why I was so scared of it. So I did my prereqs, with a a little one at home and I was actually pregnant with my second kiddo um, who was going in to be induced and made a phone call to Neosho County Community College and said, hey, I know you are sending out acceptance letters soon. Here's my situation. Are you just able to tell me if I've been accepted? And so they told me that I'd been accepted to nursing school. So went back to school with a good grief two-year-old and a six-month-old and did that associates program and got a great education and then um, decided I wanted some med surge experience and worked at Miami County Medical Center, worked nights there on their inpatient unit and got some great um, just basic med surge experience and also we back then we were I don't want to say we were on our own, but we just didn't have a lot of resources at night. And so uh, just learned a lot from other nurses and had to kind of figure some things out and then did that for a year and a half or so and then went on to my job of labor and delivery nurse, which is what I still do. Yeah. And so right now you're working a couple of different places. Can you (laughs) tell us a little bit about what you're doing? Sure. Sure. So my first labor and delivery job was at Olathe Medical Center at the workplace. And I have always, since I transferred up there in 2008, I've always worked there in some capacity. 
um, I did move to a PRM position and went over to St. Luke South for a little while. Then they lost some OBs and it got really, really slow. So switched back and went back to my, my, uh, I, I don't work full time, but I call it my full time job. My benefits carrying job at Olathe, mm-hmm. uh, work nights there, have worked nights there all along. I also decided I wanted to see what it was like to be a labor nurse at a lot busier hospital, um, which I had all my babies at Olathe. I think it's a great place to have a baby, but Advent Health, formerly Shawnee Mission Medical Center, um, is it's just busy. They do the most, the most deliveries in the Metro. They do almost 5,000 a year and deliver 5,000 babies a year. So I took on a PRN job there in January and it's been, it's been fun. It's different. Um, they're both great just in different ways. And so, and then usually I'm, I'm doing clinicals for MNU, but with all the changes they've had to do, we've had to do in the last few months, um, haven't gotten, didn't get to do my normal OB clinicals with them, but hoping that that resumes in the fall. Yeah, me too. (laughs) We're we're totally ready for all of that to start back up. Yeah. And you've even taught some in the classroom for us. And I have. Yeah. And that's, so you get that's, to see these students as they grow, like where they start and yes. then some in your OB clinical. And then I know that you're working with some of our grads too and kind of how I they change. And it's so cool to be able to say that someone was a former student. It is, it's just, and it's so neat to, to work alongside them. But yes, I've done some, some lecture also, and that's, it's so much different. I feel like in the, the lecture, um, when I get to lecture students, I get to know them really well because you spend so much time with them. The OB clinicals, I love doing OB clinicals, but they're so quick. You know, you, you get them the first week, the second week, you're finally able to get their names down and the third week they're done. So that's part of what I really love about the lecture, um, about lecturing students is relationships because that's, much of what I love about nursing is forming relationships and getting to know people. And, um, so I, that's, I really love that about lecturing doing that capacity as well. Yeah. The classroom, it it does make a nice environment for getting to know the students better, especially when you only have them for the three days out in OB clinical. So our main focus of our conversation today is to look at critical thinking and how that, changes from a new nurse to a seasoned nurse and kind of everywhere in between. So I'm sure your critical thinking, I mean, I think back to my critical thinking when I first started as a nurse and I felt a little scared for my new, my new <laughs> but um, I'm sure it's changed a lot since you sure. first became a nurse. Can you tell me a little bit about how that's changed? Maybe some different things like delegation or just basic patient care, you know, what are some of those things that come to mind when you think about your critical thinking, your first few weeks as a nurse versus now? Yeah, you know, like in clinicals, even watching students, it's funny how you kind of watch how they do things and kind of how they think through things. And I think back to when I was a new nurse and when you're a new nurse, 
I think you come out of school thinking you have to know everything and you need to know how to do everything, but that's just so unrealistic. And you, you are trying to, to learn all these things and remember all these things and all the lab values and all the meds and all the side yeah. effects and assessment and learning to talk to physicians, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many different things. And those critical thinking skills, um, they just kind of evolve, you know? Um, And I think it happens too without even maybe sometimes realizing it. And so, like I said, I'm a labor and delivery nurse and I've been a labor and delivery nurse now going on 13 years. And so obviously my practice and how I look at things has, has changed and evolved. And I would like to think has gotten smoother and even better than when I was a new nurse. And you know, I might have looked at something as a new nurse and been like, you know, that's just, that's just what happens. Somebody comes yeah. in labor and we have a baby. And now with more, you know, with those critical thinking skills evolving and maturing and becoming better, I might, I can look at a patient and say, well, um, this is why this is happening. You know, she um, she got to this, we ended up with a C-section because her baby was not turned the right way. You know, we, we, we were facing, even though we were head down, we were facing the wrong way. And you just, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but, um, as far as like a lot of, I think a lot of times as a new nurse, you're like, well, you know, they come in, they have a baby, but sometimes there's complications. And so they have a C-section, but now you kind of understand all those little ins and outs of what nudged the patient down this other path of having the C-section versus kind of the quote unquote normal vaginal delivery. Now, of course, I'm not exactly. a nurse. I wouldn't call that normal. Everything, every type of birth <laughs> is kind of normal, right? But they sure. all have their kind of unique situations as well. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there are just so many things to, to OB nursing. And we are very, that's part of what I love about my job is so much of it is autonomous. You know, you have physicians and they want, they want to be kept updated and things, but so many things, like if I took a patient and another nurse took a patient, how we got from, from point A to point B, to delivery could be very different in how we manage that patient. And part of it might be experience. Part of it might be um, just a a different way of looking at it. Part of it might be better girl, better critical thinking skills. Um, And there's just so many different ways to look at it. Um, And that's the cool that that's why I love OB nursing. I love the autonomy of it. I love that I can And it sounds kind of silly sometimes, but I can take a patient and I can put my spin on it and hopefully get her to, um, get her the experience and get her the kind of delivery that she desires. And, you know, the, the biggest thing of it is we have to do it safely and, but, but there's, there's more than one way to do it. So, and I love how your focus was still on the patient, you know, going and getting them the delivery that they desire with you know, the care that you're providing. And I think sometimes as a new nurse, we lose that focus. 
you know, we come sure. in and we get like super focused on here's my patient, here's my end result, and I'm going to work, work, work to get this. And not that we don't think about our patient, yeah, you know, but like, I, I guess I even think back to when I had kids, you have this kind of ideal thing in your mind of how this is going to turn out. And yeah, you know, 99% of the time, it's not exactly like that. And yep. so kind of working with the moms that you're working with and their family to try to make that experience as close to that safely, like you said, yes. is just so important. It is. And I look back at when I was a new nurse versus now and, and probably in many areas of nursing, but it's so easy to have tunnel vision, you know, like mm -hmm. you're just looking at, looking at like, it's a, like it's a cookie cutter patient and everybody's the same. And we, we always do step one and then step two and step three and step four and step five until we get to the, to, to the very end. And now I'm, I don't want to say more relaxed because I'm still very vigilant, but which is, you know, and a, a labor patient can become a surgical patient or mm -hmm. an emergent, you know, an emergent patient. Yeah. So many things can change so quickly. And so you have to be vigilant, always, always be looking at the entire picture. But I just feel like, I guess maybe I'm more confident in my skills and, um, just experience, you know, in 12 and a half years, you see a lot of things. And so now you use those critical thinking skills. And you're like, Ooh, when I saw this happening the last time this was about to happen. Yeah. And so you can build on that experience, but all the while I still try really hard to make sure that I am taking the patient's wants and desires, um, into consideration but patients are also really reasonable. And if you explain oh, yeah. to them, and I try to talk to them, you know, all the time about our goal here is healthy mom, healthy baby. And so while I will do my very best to get your wants and desires and wishes fulfilled, sometimes that's all based on so long as everything's going okay and your baby's tolerating right. things okay and you're tolerating things okay. But when that happens, sometimes we have to take a bit of a detour and people are pretty reasonable and willing to be open to that. Yeah. And I think your patients a lot of times can just lean on the fact that they know you're experienced. They know mm -hmm. that you just don't hop in to each of your shifts, not learning from the previous one, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. or even we throw around the words a lot at, at the school, you know, evidence-based, you know, mm -hmm. what's evidence-based. Mm -hmm. And honestly, to me, you know, when you look at evidence-based and I'm sure it's very similar in OB, it, it goes back to experience, you know, it's it the does. evidence from each of those situations that you've seen that you're growing upon. But what's super nice is you have these people actually researching these things and then you know, you put things into practice, you know, and I'm sure over your, what'd you say, 14 years of labor and delivery, have you seen that evidence-based approach change? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and I do talk to patients about, about, you know, this is why we do this. We're all about evidence-based practice, but then there's some things too that, that the actual research and evidence isn't quite there yet. Right. But um, and I'm trying to think something I've done 
Um, there's been, because you know, with social media and everything, of course, we have Facebook groups of labor nurses um, and people who've been labor nurses for three times as long as I've been. And we share tips and we share tricks. And again, just so it's, we just have to make sure we're doing something safe. And one thing is um, that the evidence just isn't quite there yet, but I trust that it's going to get there because enough nurses are, have seen it work. And so there's going to be, somebody's going to do the research. Um, lack of progression in labor because we have a swollen cervix. Mm. Well, what do we give for swelling? We give Benadryl for swelling. Mm -hmm. And so enough people have tried Benadryl for a swollen cervix, it goes down and then we're able to progress in labor, but oh, the evidence amazing. isn't there yet. Yeah. And so, you know, I just talked to patients about, we, we, have seen a lot of, of progress with this and we've seen a lot of positive outcomes with this. We just don't quite have the evidence to back it up yet, but are you willing to give it a try? And so I, I think it'll get there. I think we have enough people using it and the, and the physicians especially want the evidence before they try it. And so, yeah. but you know, a bunch of labor nurses were, we're getting there and, and we will get there. But yeah, evidence-based practice, things have changed so much and they've even come full circle. I work with a nurse who's been doing this since the eighties. She has seen things come full circle more than once. And so it's just so cool, um, yeah. to get to see that progression and then, um, just all the different ways that we approach labor care. Yeah. And I'm sure that same nurse that has, you know, been a nurse for so long and seen all these things come around and around again, she's probably the one saying, but this works. We need to do yeah, this thing that right. we've always done. And exactly. all of the new nurses are like, oh, she's just stuck in the past. What's wrong with her? <laughs> you know, but yes. it, then it comes back around and we kind of like eat our own words like, oh, yep. she was right. She was <laughs> right. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm all about um, just listening to those nurses and their experience. And, you know, our new nurses come in with interesting things that we may not have thought of, or we may not have seen, but they've been to a lot of different facilities and they've worked with a lot of different nurses. And so, um, you know, that's advantageous and beneficial to our nursing units as well. Yeah. And it's so neat. And I think I, see this a lot just in the classroom when we have just normal conversations about, you know, different interventions for, you know, whatever, whatever disease process we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And the students will say, oh, well, they did this for, you know, maybe it was a family member or mm -hmm. maybe even mm -hmm. treatment for themselves. And I'll be like, oh, really? That's so cool. And yeah. they just bring so much more to the conversation than, sure. than I think they realize, you know? Yeah. So, um, Okay, so kind of switching, kind of switching tracks here, but not really. We're, we're still talking kind of about the interventions we provide for our patients and making sure that they're really safe and that we still have these high quality outcomes, you know, for our patients. We have healthy mom, healthy baby, um, and then whatever type of unit, you know, you're working on mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. looks that way. How do you make sure that you're going down that track? So yes, you're using evidence-based so when you go in to assess a mom and you maybe go back in to reassess again, you know, kind of walk me through when you see a change, 
I, I, I don't have a great example of what that change might be, but like you see a change, maybe fetal heart rate has a little more variability than you want. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing maybe a little fetal compromise. Mm -hmm. What are kind of your first steps to take, you know, depending on the situation? Well, um, so let's, you know, when, as a labor nurse, you have two patients, you have a mm -hmm. mom and then you have a baby and you can't see your baby. All you can see is what its heart rate's doing. And so you are assessing the well-being of that baby based on what its heart rate is doing and also its response to mom's contractions and to, to mom's, um, a variety of mom's vital signs. Right. For example, you see a tachycardic baby. The first thing that we wonder, the first thing that we go to assess is, does mom have a fever? Because if mom ha is febrile, then almost always, um, a lot of times, one of the very first things you'll see evidence of that is baby is tachycardic. Um, Babies having some kind of D cells. Uh, some of them are more benign than others. Some of them are more concerning uh, than others. And so the first thing I am going to do is to see what I can do with mom to make those resolve. So we have three things, kind of the three go-tos. Changing mom's position, uh, hydrating mom via IV, um, if she's inpatient, if she's an outpatient, we might PO hydrate. And then um, kind of our last line, especially with COVID, because we're talking about aerosolization procedures, mm -hmm. oxygen, um, giving mom extra oxygen. And sometimes that's misconstrued. They, they think we're giving mom oxygen because mom is... Um, mom's oxygenation isn't good, but what we're trying to do is resuscitate baby through mom through giving her oxygen. So, um, you know, those are the things that we go to and we see if we can get them to resolve. And then you see how baby, how baby reacts and how, if, if they do resolve, if they get worse, if they stay the same, and then, you know, you're usually having to, if they don't resolve, um, and we have concerns about baby, then we're having to call the doctor in and, and see where to go from there. So, um, it, I, yeah. And I think what I love and I hear you saying is you have all of these things to try first. You have like an arsenal of interventions because they've worked in the past and mm -hmm. they are, they are safe for you to do without calling the doctor first right. that you can you know, start with mom and with baby, with your patients, and then call, you know, like, let's, let's kind of stabilize the situation first. Um, I just, I guess I'm thinking as a new nurse, it's really hard to think through that scenario. Yeah, you know, that as a seasoned nurse, it's like, well, I have three things I'm going to do. I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then if that doesn't work, which 99% of the time it does work, then you call for more interventions. And a lot of times I'm guessing, even if it does work, you provide that update to the doctor up, yeah, later. Yeah. And, you know, you also have to think through like, how, how bad is this picture? Right. Is it something that I can hate, that I can give a little bit more time or is it something 
that's the other part of a big part of OV nursing is teamwork. And so um, do I need to be doing these interventions while also calling my physician? And, yeah. you know, sometimes we'll see that fetal distress because mom's progressing quickly. And so I might also do a cervical exam and I might need to get a, a doctor on the way. Um, so, you know, that's another part of that critical thinking piece is, is, is this going to be enough or do I need to be doing these other things as well? Yeah. Um, there's, you always, and not just as an OB nurse, as a nurse, pretty much in any unit, in any capacity, you got to look at the whole picture. You got to look at the big picture. And so a lot of times it's a lot to take in and it's a lot to think through. Um, but that's also why you've got, you know, why you've got, other nurses with because yeah. even after doing this for 13 years we all bounce ideas off each other you know sometimes you just need to talk about it you yeah. just need to say okay I've got this going on and I did this is there anything I'm missing you know and that's that's the great part of being a nurse is is the teamwork and having yeah. a team oh to I agree you up. yeah I agree wholeheartedly I love the fact that you know, our conversation has kind of taken um, a look at how we think individually, but I mm -hmm. think it is so important to give credit to our teammates, you know, the other nurses in our unit, because when I'm dealing with something that doesn't seem quite right to me, I'm not dealing with it by myself. Right. You know, exactly. I'm, I'm asking my charge nurse or I'm asking other nurses, or I remember last week, you know, my my other nurse that's working with me had the same issue mm -hmm. and so yes. let me pull them in and let's figure it out together so i i think that part of critical thinking is realizing that we don't know everything yeah and, for sure and giving you know sharing those ideas and bouncing ideas off of each other and yeah. so I, I think that's huge yeah it is um so one more thing I want to talk about before I get to that, to my last question here is critical thinking plays a huge role in not just caring for your patient while they're with you, but as you're planning for discharging your patients. And I know that on all units, we've been forced to think about discharge from the time they're admitted. Mm -hmm. You know, they come, they come in and someone's first question is, okay, when are we discharging them? And it's like, wait, mm -hmm. we don't have Whoa. a baby yet. <laughs> right. Let's put the break One thing at a time. <laughs> yeah. So how do you develop and, and give that appropriate education to maybe a mom who's just come in and you know, especially with COVID right now, they're going to want to go home as soon as possible. How do we make sure that they're given their education in, in the best way possible? that they're going to take that with them and actually remember it when they get sure. home. Well, you know, you, we start with that very first triage form that we do. Um, we, we assess their, their level of education and do they have any barriers to learning? And, um, you know, do they need any kind of assistance, whether it be, um, you know, we have a fairly significant deaf population in Olathe because we have mm -hmm. the deaf school there. Um, we have a fairly significant um, Hispanic population who English may not be their first language. Um, we have a physician who speaks 
fluent Spanish. Um, and so, you know, just assessing all those needs and we assess right off the bat. Do you have any concerns about taking your baby home? Do you need any services? Do you, you know, are we married? Do we live together or do you live with your parents? Um, you know, things like that. We start that off right at the beginning and the challenge is making sure that we are able to get those needs and that they follow them all the way through. Mm -hmm. um, you know, most hospitals in our Metro at least um, have a care model where you deliver on one unit with one set of nurses, you recover there, and then you have your postpartum stay on another unit with another group of nurses. And so it's just communication is so critical and making sure that um, you do get that, get that communicated. Like this patient has um, had history of postpartum depression and she had to take medications last time. And, um, you know, just, just all those different things. This patient, um, duh, her, she is concerned about where she's going to go. She lives in her car, you know, things like wow. that. And if it's, if it's that kind of situation, then we, we start right off with social services and bringing them in and, um, letting, making sure that they start that discussion early. So it's just, bunch of communication, communication yeah. with the patient, communication with the patient support group, communication with other nurses and amongst the units, pulling in social work when you need to, um, home health visits if you need to, and then just keep talking about it. We provide written, written materials. We have um, a variety of online resources. Um, we have in-person like lactation groups and even some uh, groups for postpartum depression. We have a newborn channel where they can learn basics about taking care of their baby and breastfeeding and things like that. So just constant open communication and reiterating it and making sure that, that they don't have any questions. No, I think that's so good because I feel like every step along the way that we're talking about critical thinking, it never is just pointed to the nurse, you know, right. there's communication with everybody involved mm -hmm. to make sure that this stay is the best that it can be for the patient, for the mom and the baby, making sure from the very beginning that you're communicating with who's going to take over care next. That way, right. you know, we provide that continuity of care of safe care, you know, throughout yeah. that entire stay. So, yeah. Oh, I so think important. that's so, yeah, so great. Just to kind of reiterate the teamwork of that, especially with these new nurses going out and maybe not having the amount of clinical that they feel is appropriate, especially mm -hmm. in OB, because even if we make it out into clinical, it's three days, you yeah, know, so right. that doesn't feel like enough, you know, working. It doesn't. I, I do feel like, yeah, those, you know, I've done, a, I've had a lot of OB students um, in OB clinicals, and I feel like it's just enough for mm -hmm. them to know if it's going to, this is for them or um, this, this probably <laughs> isn't for me, but yeah. you know, I've had, I've had several students who come in with their arms crossed and like, yeah, you, you can tell that they're just like fulfilling, fulfilling yeah. the requirement. And my favorite is when we get to like week two and they're like, ah, <gasps> 
this was great. Like, I love this. I really think I want to be a NICU nurse. I really think I want to be a labor nurse. Um, it's that just was kind a, of my experience with OB clinical because we mm-hmm. had to go someplace and I had already worked med surge just as a CNA and a telemetry mm-hmm, tech mm-hmm. and stuff like that before I went to school. And we ended up doing our clinical like out in Wichita or something mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. of population in Southeast Kansas sure. where yeah. we both started is it's pretty small. So yeah. we go into OB. I'm still excited, you know, like I'm mm-hmm. excited to learn. I'm excited to see, but I thought like, oh, this is probably not going to be for me. And it didn't end up being the path I went down. Yeah. But I loved my clinical experience. Mm-hmm. It, I loved it enough to think like, maybe I should try this. And then mm-hmm. it just didn't ever, you know, come out in the cards for me to do sure. OB. Yeah. But yeah. it was just like, this is really fun, you know? I so. think a lot of it is the nurses. Like yeah. I work with a lot of really great nurses and um, they are really, really open to nursing students and so many of our nurses, you know, MNU ends up being a real, a real small world, like Mm -hmm. the world of the Nazarenes in Olathe and MNU. (laughs) And there's like just a lot of people that were MNU grads at Olathe and they make that connection automatically. And it's just, it's just a great experience. It's just the best and not just MNU students, a lot of students, but there's that yeah. special connection with a lot of this, a lot of the nurses. Um, well, and I think at MNU, we kind of consider Olathe Medical Center kind of our home hospital, mm-hmm. even yeah. though yeah. we're not technically connected. It's just we're right. in the same community. So we kind mm-hmm. of have each other's back in a little bit of yeah. a way. Yeah. yeah. And we just, we hire so many MNU grads yeah. and um, I'm always talking up MNU grads about, we, we turn out some really good nurses and I've recommended several for hire and I've never been disappointed. <laughs> yeah. So this is a great segue into my final question. And this yeah. is something that I'm going to ask all of the nurses that I get the privilege to talk to for this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. What are three things you wish you would have known your first day starting your career in nursing? (laughs) Okay. Well, I think first of all, it is okay that a new nurse doesn't know everything. Um, There's so much pressure to come off orientation and um, practice like, you know, like a nurse of many years of experience. And that's okay. We don't, we don't expect that out of new nurses. And so it's, we experienced nurses, the, the nurses that already work on the unit, they want you to ask questions and they um, are willing to help and um, help you grow your practice and help you grow in your critical thinking skills. Um, the second would be, when I was a new nurse, I was scared to death of physicians and I was really scared to talk to them. And, um, I even had a conversation with one of our physicians the other day about how scared I was of him when I first started. And he said, I really wish I would have known that I didn't mean to be like that, but I think it was more me than him. And so, you know, starting at a new facility coming in with quite a, quite a few years of experience. Um, it's, you know, it's new, it's new physicians, new nurses, but 
Um, I've just like, it's just, it's, it's been different. It's, it's hard to go somewhere new when you've been doing this for a while. And so I reminded myself, even though I was new, the physicians are not all that scary. They're people too. That's what I was just going to say. They're people too. (laughs) I don't think most of them, I don't think want to be scary. So, um, you know, I just encourage new nurses to just stay calm. I made, when I first started, I made notes of everything I wanted to make sure that I, that I told them. And, um, they, they just, they appreciate, um, just that open communication with them. And they're really not that scary. No, I remember Um, being terrified for my first phone call to a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's frightening, really scared. And so, (laughs) and, and then eventually, you know, I don't know if you started on night shift. I did. I started on night shift and calling doctors in the middle of the Mm -hmm. night is even more. It's a whole new level of scary. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, But I remember calling a doctor in the middle of the night and they started (laughs) falling asleep. (laughs) And I'm like, hello, you need to wake up. So you kind of get over it after your first real awkward conversation, you know, where you're actual sleeping doctor on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. I, I totally live that and continue to live that. That's the life of a night nurse, I think. Yeah. Um, Sorry, and I interrupted. What about your third thing? No, that's okay. No. Uh, the third thing, you're human, you know, like, I know you want to be like, a super nurse and have these superpowers perhaps, which we don't, but just you're human and just don't be afraid to ask questions. And, um, you know, open communication with, um, with your charge nurse, with your, with your team, with your, um, your, your, techs and your secretaries or whatever they call them now. I'm sorry. Like your unit assistant. Um, just having that open communication and asking questions and that's what it's all about. You don't ever want something to slip through the cracks and you always want to make sure that everybody's on the same page and well aware of what's going on. And that's how you're going to provide the safest, best care to your patients. Yeah. Oh, totally agree. So I, that kind of concludes our conversation today. I am so glad that you were able to call and be my first guest. Yeah, so I'm going to put great. it down as like episode one, I, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. I think this kinda... is just such a great thing you're doing for the students. You know, I know it's been an interesting time. It's been an interesting time to be alive. Yeah. It's been an interesting time to be a nursing student, to be a nurse, I'm sure to be a nursing instructor. And, been. you know, okay. we've just really had to learn to think outside the box on so many things. And so I think this is really cool. And I hope the students enjoy it. And because um, I think it's just a really kind of interesting and innovative way to do something different and a yeah. different, you know, from a different approach. Well, I think if the rest of the interviews are like this one, I think it's just going to be fun for me to get to talk with everybody. I think that's fun. And I get to hear a lot about you guys that I didn't know before. I had no idea it was your second career. And I think, you know, that's really cool. And we have so many of our 
not just our accelerated students, but our traditional students, some of them, this is their second career as well. And so, mm -hmm. you know, they can do it and they can, mm -hmm. you know, they can see maybe the light at the end of the tunnel by now, you know, we're here in internship. So hopefully they know it's, they're going to be successful at this point. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm super appreciative of you um, offering to volunteering, I guess, to um, answer some of these questions and to sit and chat for a while. So sure. Well, thank you for having me. It was yeah. a privilege and I hope it was helpful. And oh, I'm sure. always pulling for the students and um, good luck. You guys can, you guys can do it. It goes by so fast. Try to just take it all in and uh, you'll be to the end of your nursing, your student nursing journey before you know it, and you'll be a practicing nurse. Oh. And I hope to work alongside some of you. Oh, I bet you will. It's those yeah, nice sure. They always come yeah. out. <laughs> and we love to have you. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'll talk to you later, Christine. Okay. okay thanks great. so Thank much. You. Uh -huh. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Novice Nurse Podcast with Amanda Addis and our guest this week on the very first episode, Christy Hay. Join us for our next episode with Allison as we talk a little bit more of what critical thinking is like for a brand new nurse. See you guys next time.